You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, man, I am so glad that it's raining today because it fits perfectly with my talk. But I want to ask you guys a question. Um, do you remember the first time that you went off a diving board? You remember that experience? Um, like, I remember I was a little kid and I was standing on the edge of the diving board. My mom was kind of hovering around in the water down below. And remember, you put your hands out when you're going to do your first dive, something like this. You close your eyes because you don't want to see what's going to happen. You're afraid of the water, even though you don't need to be afraid to jump off the diving board. My first dive wasn't really a dive. It was really just me sticking my hands out and jumping off and kind of halfway belly flopping into the water. Um, But to have a new experience, like a dive off the diving board, I had to be willing to step in to the water, step into the water. Um, And the water, step into the water, represents something for us today. It represents what we're unnecessarily afraid of. Now, recently, my wife and I went on a little excursion, and it was called the Underwater Scooters, and I brought a picture of that. That was a great experience. Uh, Now, the interesting thing about the Underwater Scooter is that uh, getting into it. Okay, it would be great if they would just have the Underwater Scooter above the water, and you get into it, and then you can ride it down into the water. But they don't do it that way. You have to contort your body. You have to go underwater and stick your head up inside this apparatus and then fit yourself to the underwater scooter. It's kind of awkward, but it all begins when you take a step into the water. And once you do, you have this whole new experience where you can go under, you can see the corals, you can see the beautiful fish. I mean, it's an amazing experience, but it all begins with a step in to the water. And that's the one idea I want to submit to you today is to step in to the water. In fact, last Sunday, I was with, uh, I, w- I was at my friend Dante's church and they're a talkback church. And you guys are kind of a talkback church. We got to give you something to talk back about sometimes, you know, uh, but uh, we love it when you talk back because it helps the message and everything. So would you say this big idea with me? Uh, Step in to the water. When you want to have a new experience of God's kingdom, you have to step into the water. So check it out. Um, A couple weeks ago, they asked me to speak at this conference. It was a mental health conference at the Tobin Center. The Tobin Center, you know, the Tobin Center is a nice venue. It's the second nicest venue in all of downtown San Antonio, second only to the Cameo Theater, of course, right? So... Uh, the, the reason that they asked me to go and give a talk there is because they're trying to take away the stigma associated with mental illnesses and the like, and they know that that's kind of our speciality here at City Church downtown. Uh, but before I would got to give my talk, I found out when I looked at the lineup that I was going on like right before Dr. Daniel Moorhead. Now, he's a guy that I have a lot of respect for. He's a well-known therapist all over the United States. In fact, I've quoted him before in some of my talks on mental health, you know, when we did a a series on that recently. And so I was, got to be honest, I was a little bit nervous about speaking right before him. And we're chilling in the green room. I'm getting to know him, and I really like him, and he's a cool dude, and we're hitting it off and all this kind of thing. But I thought to myself, it'd be really great if he would just kind of stay, like, back in the green room while I'm giving my talk, you know, so I didn't have to worry about what he would think about my talk, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and I knew, here's what it made it worse, 
is that I knew that if I was supposed to give the talk that God wanted me to give that day, that group of people in the Tobin Center, is that I had to be really raw and honest about my past stuff, you know? And I was afraid of that being a little bit of embarrassment. And then he didn't stay in the green room, but he went backstage, like side stage, and he's looking right at me when I'm giving my talk. So I could have glossed over that day, but God wanted me to do what? Step into the water. Some of you are getting the hang of this talking back thing, aren't you? And so I did. And I just figure if I'm going to embarrass myself in front of Dr. Moorhead, then I'm going to like go out with a blaze of glory. You know what I mean? So I just laid it out there to this group of people. And it's like I'm, t- I'm talking to him about 18 years ago when I went into this like clinical depression and I need, you know, I wanted pain relief and I sought it in some very dysfunctional ways and a lust addiction and porn and a relationship outside my marriage and getting fired from the church I was at at the time. Um, and my marriage, you know, was a mess and I was separated from my wife and you should have seen their faces like uh, this, this room full of, uh, uh, mental health professionals and people who, uh, are dealing with mental illnesses that their faces look like this. They're just like, what the? They were, they were just appalled, you know? They're just like, whoa. But then they went from being appalled to applauding when I explained to them that God did a great work in my life. And I went to like five different counselors to get help in my life. And God changed me and helped me uh, get free from my addiction. I hadn't acted out upon it in 17 years. Right on? And then... God saved my marriage, and recently my wife and I were able to celebrate 30 years of marriage, and we're closer now than we've ever been, right, on. And then they were surprised to hear that the church that had to fire me actually wanted to restore me back into the ministry back those years ago. And then I was afraid again, because I would have to leave you know, my corporate job where I had established myself and I would have to take a pay cut to go back into the ministry. But what do you think God wanted me to do? Step into the water. And that I did. But once I got back, I was afraid again because I knew that it had to be different this time. And that I would have to stand up in front of people and be honest about my past and my struggles and how jacked up my life had been. And I thought to myself, well, if I go up there and tell people the raw, honest truth, then they're going to get a lynch mob together and get me fired from the ministry again. And I don't want to go through that. And so I was afraid to do that. But what do you think God wanted me to do? Step into the water right on. And so that I did. And when I stepped into the water and I was raw and honest with people in our church, it surprised me. They didn't get a lynch mob. They didn't throw tomatoes. But people came up to me and they're like, thank you for finally someone up there being honest with us that we're all jacked up and we all have these problems. And it created a culture, an environment in our church where it's okay not to be okay as long as you're on your way to becoming more okay, uh, where it's a place now where the jacked up can get helped up. And of course, it's not just about being jacked up. Uh, We want to get helped up. You know what I mean? We don't want to stay where we are, but we want to move forward in faith and experience new things in the kingdom of God. And it only comes when we're willing to step into the water. This is so important. We're going to spend all of September talking about how the jacked up 
get helped up. And one of the patterns that you're going to see in the Bible today is what we call the Exodus pattern. Let me show it to you on screen. The Exodus pattern is uh, you go from Egypt to wilderness to promised land. And Egypt is a time of bondage, slavery, or oppression. Then wilderness is a time of waiting, holding pattern, testing, and temptation, where the promised land is you're free but you're free to work for your spiritual inheritance at that point. Now, the most formative story to the Jewish people is the first Exodus story. If you want to understand the Bible, if you want to understand Jewish people, you have to understand the first Exodus uh, story. That narrative is so significant for Jewish people and to the Bible that uh, even today, Jewish people continue to celebrate Passover. And since America was kind of influenced deeply by the Judeo-Christian narrative, you see even in our culture today, movies that represent that Exodus story. So uh, perhaps some of you saw uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings, starring Christian Bale. Uh, By the way, my commentary is he makes a better Batman than he does a Moses, but um, that's just my opinion. But then how many of you saw Prince of Egypt. Remember Prince of Egypt? That was a Disney's iteration of it. Some of you love singing along, you know, pretending like you're... Um, and then there's a, the, the one that really put the Exodus on the map in this culture years ago is that vintage film, The Ten Commandments. How many of you saw that? Your mom made you or whatever. You know, yeah, a bunch of us saw that. Uh, the Ten Commandments starring like, uh, was it Charlton Heston was Moses. And then uh, Yul Brenner was the Pharaoh. He was great at Pharaoh. And he had a bald head, you know, he'd cross his arms and he walks like this. It's like, bring Moses and the Hebrew people to me. You know, this is, uh, this was Yul Brenner uh, in the Ten Commandments there. Um, but one of the things that you see in the story in the Bible in these movies is that uh, Exodus began with a cry. It began with a cry. Let me take you to the text, Exodus chapter three, verse seven. It says, then the Lord told him, Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their what? cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, the what? Cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And so the reason that Moses was able to experience the miracle working power of God in the plagues and in the parting of the sea was because Moses was willing to step into the water and respond to the cries of the people who were crying out to God. And I wanted to understand this crying out some years ago more deeply. And so I asked a friend of mine about it. His name is Gideon Levitam. Gideon is seen pictured on screen here. He's the guy that baptized me in the Jordan River. He knows a lot about Hebrew and Jewish culture because he is Jewish. And he has this really thick accent, like thick as yucca, man. I mean, this guy, um, when I call him on the phone, I'm saying, hey, tell me, Gideon, you know, about like the, 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 the uh, crying out throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. And he's like, whoa, a pastor dog. You know, he talks like this. He's like, Does, it, it is the Hebrew, the ze'akah. Okay. Can you say that word ze'akah with me out loud real quick? Say ze'akah. Ze'akah. Okay. That bunch of honkies. Okay. You don't say it right. Here's the thing. Is it the, the way Gideon says ze'akah, is it, it's like the guttural in there, like you're coughing up a loogie. And so we'll try, we'll try it again. It's like the ze'akah. Okay. You're like, Okay, ready? Here we go. 
Very good. Okay. I know someone, you know, the back of your head got wet from the people behind you. Just rub it in. It's like conditioner. It's all good. Uh, but, uh, but Gideon is telling me, you know, over this phone call, he's like, oh, the, 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 you know, it is like the emergency. It's, it's just like the cry of distress, like the ambulance. When things are emergency, we call 911 and the emergency come. Um, that's what it is. And if you go through about the Bible, you'll see all these different places where people cry out. Like first it was in the Exodus, the people of God called out, cried out, and he rescued them from Egyptian bondage and slavery. Uh, You can also see like in Mordecai the Jew, when he saw that a whole generation of Jewish people were going to be wiped out, he let out the zakah cry, and God rescued the people miraculously. And then you can see like in the New Testament, the same concept happened when Peter walked out on the water to walk with Jesus, you know, and then he started doubting himself and he started sinking down in the water and he let out a cry, the and Jesus reached out, grabbed him and saved him and helped him up. So you see this all throughout the Bible and you moms know about this. Moms, you're miraculous to me because you know the difference between the different cries of the children. I realized this the first time when my little daughter, Reagan, uh, she's a teenager now, but at that time she was just a little one, and she cried out in the night. Now, I did what a lot of you husbands do. You know, I'm kind of halfway in consciousness and halfway out, and I'm thinking, do I need to get up and do anything about this? My wife didn't bat an eye. She, like a cheetah, leaped out of the bed, ran into our daughter's room, found out that our daughter, little, little one, she'd climbed over the edge of her crib and fallen out on the floor. Because you moms know, don't you? You know when it's a whiny cry. And you know when it's a legit cry. And when we let out legit cries to God, and when people on the earth let out legit cries to God, the zakah, he responds to those cries. And I want to ask you this question today. Where is your life currently in the Exodus cycle? So are you in a time of Egypt where you're in a time of bondage to some type of an addiction or you're needing freedom from addictions. Like I could go down a list of addictions, you know, anywhere from lust to substance abuse or uh, are you needing an exodus from your oppressors? Someone has abused you in the past or you've got post-traumatic stress or anxiety or depression or are you in a time of wilderness? Are you uh, feeling like you're kind of just uh, moving around, uh, waiting and holding pattern in a time of temptation or perhaps testing in your life. Uh, Or some of you are in your promised land right now. Your promised land is a great place to be because you're free to start working towards your inheritance. But what a lot of people who get to promised land realize is that once you get there, you have to work for it. So the Jewish people, when they went into the promised land, they had to take it. See, they were free now, but now the work really begins. So one of the first bold steps of faith into your new exodus, whatever phase you're in to move to the next phase is typically a transition through water. Let me show you what I mean by that. Um, The ancients uh, in the Bible, in the Old Testament and new, they didn't like the water like we like the water. You know, we like to go to the lake and we like going tubing and skiing and on boats and all this stuff. But a lot of people uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible and the New, they didn't like the water because that's where the devil is, right? In the Old Testament, you would see that uh, the abyss and Leviathan, you know, that's evil stuff. Or in the New Testament, you know, they gave these metaphors of hell being like the lake of fire because that's where the devil is. So can you imagine how hard it was for 
the people of the first exodus, they were afraid of the water and they had to go through a water crossing to get out of Egypt. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the what? Water, so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea. Look, brothers and sisters, to get yourself out of Egypt, you've got to step into the water, just like the Jewish people did to transition from Egypt into the wilderness. But look at the wilderness crossing into uh, the promised land in Joshua chapter three, verse 14. It says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the what? Water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up. And so the river literally backed up so they could cross uh, the river on dry ground. But the miracle happened when they were willing to step into the water. You got it. So we see this pattern not just in the Old Testament Exodus story, but it continues. So you'll see all this new Exodus metaphor in the life and ministry of John the Baptist. Now, let me give you some context and background of John the Baptist's life and his ministry and what was going on at the time. The Jewish people had not heard from God in like 400 years. There's this 400-year gap between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning events of the New Testament. And the people felt like they were in the wilderness because two-thirds of the Jews were not in Israel at that time. And they were uh, reading the prophets like Isaiah who were saying, there is going to come a messenger who's going to make clear the path of the Lord. And so we check in with John. And that's the mentality of the people. Look at Mark 1, 2. It says, just as the prophet Isaiah had written, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the what? Wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John and they confessed their sins. He baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. And in this passage and in John's ministry, you see all these parallels and metaphors that come from the new Exodus kind of thinking. And so where was it that John was preaching repentance? Out in the wilderness. Remember the wilderness from the Exodus story. Um, What did John eat? He ate locusts, which in the Old Testament represented loss. Like if the locusts came and ate your crops, you lost your whole crop, right? But he also ate honey. And what does honey represent? Promised land, doesn't it? The the promised land would be a place flowing with milk and what? Honey, right? So what did John call them to do? He called them to repentance and baptism. And baptism is a transition through water, just like the parting of the sea is a transition through water, just like crossing through the Jordan River is a transition through water. Um, Where was John baptizing them? In the Jordan River. That was the very river that the Jewish people had passed from wilderness into 
promised land. Um, but, but here's one of the things I want to point out about John that I think is significant, is that it took a ton of courage for John to speak out to these Jewish people and call them to baptism. And you know why? Because typically in that day, it was only Gentile people who would get baptized to become Jewish converts. And Jesus, or rather John, is looking into the eyes of these Jewish people and he's saying, you need to repent and be baptized. You shouldn't rest on your laurels. You shouldn't think that you're in the kingdom of God and in the family of God just because of your past family heritage. You see the implications of that for you and I today? Is that some of you think I'm in the family of God and I'm Christian just because of my family religious upbringing or because my family had me baptized as an infant. And I think John would say to you today, you need to be baptized. Because the Bible teaches us that we enter into the kingdom of God, the family of God, when we've chosen to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then it's our choice to step into the water and be baptized. And that would be somewhat subversive for some of you to do because some of your family would feel like you're going against the family tradition and the family heritage, and it takes courage. But sometimes courage is what it takes when we have to step into the water, right? Well, we see the Exodus pattern, not just in John the Baptist, but we also see it in the life of Jesus. Let me show you. Um, His parents had to take him to Egypt when he was an infant to avoid the infant genocide that was happening from the evil overlord, the Herod, right, uh, in that region. Um, and so he, years after Jesus' family took him into Egypt, we see what happens next in Mark chapter 1, verse 9. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in, here it is again, the Jordan River. And as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and, his voice from, uh, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. By the way, how many years were the Jewish people in the wilderness? 40, right? And so you continue to see the parallels of the Exodus narrative there. But Jesus went through the waters of baptism in the Jordan River, the very river that the people of God went from wilderness into promised land. But Jesus went backwards. He went promised land back into wilderness to come back and rescue you and I. See, So he came back into the wilderness to get us and bring us back into the promised land. And I want to ask you a question. Are you transitioning right now from an exodus to freedom? Are some of you transitioning from wandering in the wilderness right now into your personal promised land? And here's the thing for us today is that there are certain parts of our lives that can be in different places on the Exodus journey. You may be in a situation now where relationally you're in the promised land, but your career is wandering. You're feeling like you're in the wilderness, but you know what it takes to get out of the wilderness of wandering in your career. It takes a step into the water to go fill out an application somewhere else or get out of that situation you were in. Some of us are in like, 
career Egypt, and you're like, that's right, Pastor Doug. My boss is like the Pharaoh. He's awful. Man, he is a slave driver or whatever. Um, Well, you know how you get out of that office? Step into the the water. Not step into the office. Step into the water. (laughs) Some of us are like in like dating wilderness. You ever been in dating wilderness? It's like you're wandering around, and some of you have been hurt in the past because you used to be married or you used to be in a relationship with the Pharaoh, didn't you? Slave driver. She told you what's up, Jack, didn't she? Well, you've been single for a while and just wandering, and you're afraid to put yourself out there and date again. I know. It's a scary thing to date someone new these days, but... Uh, what does it take if you're afraid to put yourself out there again? <laughs> Some of you are like, step into the water. <laughs> Not a step into Tinder. Some of you are stepping into the water too much and you're about to drown. And so maybe it's time to chill a little bit and think about the pool from which you're stepping. <laughs> yeah the pool you're stepping into and where we're going to meet uh, the people that God has for us. Perhaps for some of us, it's our physical bodies, our health and our fitness. And we're afraid to start exercising again or watching what we eat. It's time to step into the water and while you're in there, do a little swimming. It might be good for you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But you know, one of the big ones for us today is some of us are in the wilderness of emotional, spiritual hurt or hang up, maybe even Egypt, where we're in some type of an addiction or struggle or just a hurt that we've held in our hearts for many, many years. And the step into the water for us is to sign up for Peel the Onion, which is our recovery ministries. And it's for everyone. Everyone at some level is in need of recovery. And we have an orientation today at 2.30 or actually it's 2.20 today uh, uh, after services right next door in the cafe. And I'm telling you, it may be a literal step into the water as you go from here next door, but it'll change your life. In fact, it changed the life of one woman in our church, uh, Tekoa. I brought a picture of Tekoa today because she's celebrating two years of sobriety. How awesome is that, right? And so Tekoa stepped out of Bear County Jail, put there for her drug addiction. She stepped out of county, into church, into Christ, and look at the shirt she's wearing, into baptism. From baptism, she stepped into Peel the Onion, recovery. And today, Sister Girl can celebrate two years of sobriety from her issue because she had the faith to step into the water, didn't she? And for some of you, that may be the most significant step that you can take today. Now, others of us have friends and relatives or people that we know or people in the office that don't have a relationship with God and we want them to have a relationship with God, but we have to muster up the courage to initiate the conversation with them about Christ or perhaps invite someone to church if that would be helpful for their journey. And I thank God for the many of you that are doing that. In fact, I wanted to show you a picture of a young man uh, who recently came to faith in Christ at our church. Uh, His name is Jake, and I've talked about him in previous services. Um, because a gentleman that serves in uh, city youth 
was willing to and give this kid a ride to church so he'd come to faith in Christ. And I think about another baptism that I saw just uh, this last year. And it was this couple that um, were, were invited to church by a city church attender who actually uh, helped lead them to faith in Christ. And the lady that you can see there, her name is Santa. And Santa came to be baptized. And when she did, she came in her walker. And as you know, our baptism pool is a trough, and it's not that easy to navigate. And she used her walker to come up here and step into this pool. And her husband, the gentleman you can see behind her, his name is Reuben, and he came up here to be baptized with his cane because these two would not deny the privilege of doing what? Taking a step taking a step into the water, right? So I wonder what some of our excuses are that don't have walkers and canes. Why can't we be obedient to Christ and step into the waters of baptism and obey him when he's called upon us to uh, give others a picture of our changed hearts in Christ? You know, um, how this is all possible the reason we even have the opportunity to step in the waters because of what Christ accomplished for us on the cross, the gospel. And perhaps God brought someone here today so that you could take the first step. Actually, there's nothing you know, so there's no religious step you can take to earn a love relationship with God. You just receive it as a gift. You simply trust that when Jesus died on the cross, he did so to pay the penalty for your sin. So with that in mind, let's bow for prayer. And I'd like us all to say this prayer out loud together to encourage those that are praying it for the first time. You ready? Let's say it, say it together. God, I know I've sinned. I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. Welcome into my life, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.